Welcome to 353rd, a bi-weekly podcast discussing the impact of the internet on business. Today is Friday, October 25th, 2013. I'm Anders Brownworth. And I'm Scott Barstow. Today we're going to talk about the commercial space industry. You're probably thinking that's a bit of a stretch for a podcast about the impact of the internet on business, and, uh, and it is. But with dollars from the internet supplied by Elon Musk through SpaceX, Jeff Bezos of Amazon fame, uh, Blue Origin is his company, uh, we're, we're just going to accept it. So to, do, to assist in this discussion, we have a special guest today, Horace Dedu. Horace is the owner and founder of Asimco. Uh, he is an author and an analyst covering a number, a number of disruptive companies, Apple chief amongst them. Uh, he's an influential podcast called The Critical Path, which is soon to record its 100th show and has started a new podcast called Asim Car. Uh, he's done a number of TV appearances, most recently for Bloomberg TV in New York. And, of course, you can read his writings on asimco.com. Horace, welcome to 353rd. Well, thanks. Thanks, Anders. Uh, nice to be here. So we were chatting one evening about Elon Musk and SpaceX and the nascent commercial space industry seems to present some open problems uh, that aren't easy to solve. Well, here's how I would look at this. I think that that the uh, the I think there's an assumption uh, we have had for the last century or so that government is the the. Uh, should be considered as the purveyor uh, or facilitator of of big science or giant leaps forward and and so on and so on. Yeah. Um, I think that that is actually a product of the 20th century. Um, it's not necessarily been the the way things were done uh, centuries prior. So think of it this way. Um, let me step a, a moment back and actually suggest it's actually the second half of the 20th century because what happened was big science began with World War II. Um, the, the, there were um, the, the Manhattan Project, but also which we think of as sort of the, the, the largest um, um, uh, industrial, military industrial um, effort ever. But uh, in fact, and th there were many others during the war uh, in developing weapons and things like radar, things like um, uh, the the um, various large aircraft and the technologies related to them. So th that that uh, idea that government could fund large research projects only re began uh, in the 1940s. The the uh, so that led the military industrial complex that was built at that time in the United States led to the space race uh as far as the US was concerned obviously the 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 rockets needed came from missile programs and missile programs were were um created because there were uh, uh there were technologies available and the 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 companies that could um be employed on that trajectory uh where 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 had the engineering and processes necessary to to take up the technology and run with it uh in parallel of course we had other countries 
like the Soviet Union, like Great Britain, um, and and to some degree prior to the war and during the war, Germany, uh, their efforts were uh, also of a similar nature, except for the Soviet Union, where they're all, they're, the firms were not private, but they were still sort of design bureaus that had some autonomy. They just weren't in the hands of private individuals. So the, 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 if you were to call an in military-industrial complex, it sort of existed uh, in, in the Soviet Union as well. So, so that idea that government was the force behind all this was mostly because it had the money, although it outsourced a lot of the work to to uh, entities that were autonomous um, or or private. Now, the the struggle I uh, I, I have with this model is that um, if you go before mid 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 twentieth century, um, there were many efforts. Uh, in what we might call science today or exploration. Mm. And they were generally uh, not, uh, you you wouldn't think of them as government ventures. Um, Take things like, even even large public works projects were private ventures. Uh, Things like uh, the building of railways, the building of canals, the, the, uh, actually, if you go back far enough and you ask, well, what was behind the, great age of exploration, the uh, period when uh, people went out to seek new trade routes. And that was the driver behind both Columbus and and, and Magellan and all the other people who were out there risking a lot to to find these routes. But a lot of that was driven by commercial interests. These were entrepreneurs. Uh, These were uh, people like Columbus and and his uh, his uh, his peers were were really uh, the modern day uh, uh, you know startups. Uh, they 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 sought funding from various sources, and many times you would say, well, well, wasn't the government? Well, the government was really an individual at the time, so it was really seeking out venture money in the same in the same sense that we we sort of would seek it out from from angel investors today. Um, and when you go back and read some of the histories about uh, how uh, the age of exploration was funded, it was very much that the, that they appealed to uh, the richest people, which were typically uh, uh, either very rich merchants or essentially the, the the state in the form of an individual who was who was themselves, you know, was was really uh, at the time they, they didn't have the same. Um, uh, uh, they, they were just basically deep pockets. Let's put it that way. They were not, uh, um, as we see the state today, uh, they were just the richest people in the land. Yeah. So, um, to me, the way the way to think about things is that private or public. I mean, what's the difference? Uh, why should we conceive that uh, big science and big technology and exploration and all of, all of these things that we we associate as as um, as government efforts. Why why do they need to be that? That there, there doesn't need to be. Uh, it's only a source of money. So mm-hmm. you write in that sense your hypothesis that well, if you if you look at where the money is now, it's in the it's more in the hands of individuals, and uh, and individuals have today uh, more uh, more more degrees of freedom than governments do. Uh, governments are saddled with processes that are too slow to uh, and too encumbered by by paralysis political paralysis to get 
get get going on new initiatives. And that's been why I think the private sector has been uh, actually uh, picking up the pieces there. Right. Would you say the uh, uh, the the press to go to the moon, the race to the moon, uh, overshadowed? What the uh, it was obviously there was a lot of public will towards that, and, and it kind of uh, made it look like the government was the only game in town. And the, well, again, the roots of both space programs in the U.S. and the Soviet Union were were, were military uh, objectives. Right. The the uh, so the U.S. actually fell behind the Soviet Union in some of these landmark achievements, like putting men in in orbit um, and. Uh, um, and certain uh, certain spacecraft that the, the 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 Soviets put on the moon, for example, they were first um, mm. the first to do a, a um, space station as well. And the reasons that the U.S. fell behind is because actually their best efforts were going towards uh, black projects that were not in the public eye, but actually were very successful. Uh, and these included uh, spy satellites, uh, in, included initially spy satellites, which actually were able to um, return film, which was a big problem because they didn't have in the beginning uh, digital communications uh, to, to be able to retransmit or send back pictures. And so the, the, what, the, what the U.S. was trying to achieve was actually discovering the the the, uh, the defense networks uh, and the capabilities of the Soviet Union and there were were uh because Soviet Union being a closed society you had to rely on on these technical means to 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 spy and and so while they were putting their best people on those projects how to send a satellite up how to photograph how to recover it hmm. um those things, you know, how to recover film canisters and all these things. These were black projects, and and later on with the optics and digital communications, all these things came, um, and we'd never heard about it because everybody wanted to hear about men in space, not not uh, right, not the smart devices, you know. Yeah. So so in that sense, um, when when the U.S. realized that it was a PR war and they needed a propaganda wins, then they began to put more effort into into manned space flight because that was. That was um, they knew that they if they lost the the, the PR game, then the funding would also disappear for the other thing. So so there were there were it was kind of a um, it was a chicken and egg problem. Um, and 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 so it's a it's a curious thing that that military um, incentives led to to PR campaigns, which led to real scientific discovery. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and the, but the problem is that that could not be sustained once the original goals were no longer needed. Yeah. So once you've achieved, you, you you don't need to. Uh, you've run out of of goodwill, um, and so people said, okay, by the 1970s, uh, right. why are we funding this if uh, uh, if we are not uh, in in uh, in a race if anymore. If we've won, essentially, yeah. if we've won, there's nothing mm. to fight for anymore. So mm -hmm. that was the problem with that m model of of financing uh, space, and and yeah. so since then, of course, there's been efforts to 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 create quote a business model around space, but the the means to do it were were, um, in other words, the, the 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 technology that had developed was very inefficient. Yeah. And so now we're back to 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 you know we've had a long period of decades, in fact, since 
since there's been movement in that area. So now private private en- entities are finally finding economic logic in this and and maybe maybe we're going to see some uh, some additional uh, uh innovation going on at the the risk of going slightly off course you reminded me of uh Sergei Korolev the guy that that ran the Russian uh program his Luna 3 project uh you were talking about uh taking pictures and recovering them uh in 1959, he sent this satellite around the backside of the moon to return pictures of the backside, and it actually had one atmosphere of pressure inside there and a full uh, system that could develop film, take pictures and develop the film. And then they, in fact, returned it to Earth, and on the way back, they, they transmitted via television picture, or television slow scan, rather, the the images from the backside of the moon, the first anybody had ever seen of the mm, very mm. different backside of the moon. It's very different looking than the front. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they I, lost I think it. I remember that. I remember seeing yeah. the picture. It was very low low res. Right. But it it, it so the, the yeah the techniques they were using were very um, yeah. in today's terms very crude. But still at the same time re, re, thinking how how hard and it is to work with with analog and. <laughs> um yeah yeah, no. yeah. The, the the thing i had in mind, i'm trying to remember the the program name for the us uh um uh, spy uh, system is starts with a g i think something like mm. oh i galilee or something like that we'll look it up again but the yeah. idea was there was this program where they were launching cameras into space basically as mm. as uh, and the film film canister was meant to return back and it would be snagged midair by a, by a, right. by a yeah. bomber that was yeah. that would have this ability to sort of hook onto the parachute as it was descending, uh, and 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 thus reel in this 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 canister. So you had to figure out not just how to send up a, a, a fairly large camera, how to expose the film, then how to return it in such a trajectory that was accurate enough so that a, an airplane would be there waiting for for, <laughs> for it to snag it, and and then the, the trick was that you know it had to be. Uh, of a certain weight and so on, but yeah. And if he mi- if if the plane missed, the the, the idea was also that the, it would float for a while and then sink because they didn't want that to fall into <laughs> right the, the wrong hands. So they had. I remember. I, I remember hearing about this. How the uh, they had a plug in the base of the of the returned module that was made of salt, and once that salt div- dissolved. Um, <laughs> there would be a, a hole in the in the thing, and it would just sink. It would fill with water. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So do you? I, one of the things you said as you were going through the history of this, really, I thought was very interesting. Do you think that the uh, that the current political climate, being so fragmented and fractured, is in a way what's catalyzing private industry at this point? Because in World War II and in the '60s, we had these common enemies and a much more unified population behind the government investing in these things. And I think if, if I understand what you're saying, it's almost like the, cli- the uh, sort of wretched political climate, climate we have right now may be, in fact, what's facilitating commercial interests uh, rather than... Well, yeah, and let's, let, let's, let's look at it on a country-by-country basis. I mean, it's not just the United States that's, uh, yeah. that is guilty, if you will. Uh, consider the fact the Soviet Union collapsed. Okay, so that takes them out of the picture. They have no money. 
Um, but then you had rising powers in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s. You had Japan. Why didn't Japan invest in this? Then now we have China. Now China is start, starting to get into the space, but it's actually uh, carbon copying the, the 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 rule, you know, the 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 playbook from the 1960s in the U.S. And it's not doing anything innovative in that regard. And sort of like really, they they just want to do exactly what everyone else has already done to prove that they can do. They they are they're on a sort of on a par uh, basis. Um, they're not doing any kind of asymmetric thing. They're not launching super mm. smart devices that go into space and explore on our behalf or anything like that. No, they want to send a guy up into space and the capsule return him back or three people or four or whatever. And they want to put up a space station. Why? Because the other guys did it. So there's nothing there uh, that suggests to me that there's, there's um, the incentives are correctly aligned for a government to do the right thing in terms of improving uh, our knowledge the the um uh so so everyone uh has gotten into their mind that 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 the prototype of a space um uh, of a space power is is what the US did in the 1960s whereas if you ask scientists they would say well no that's all wrong you know sending <laughs> sending our species into space isn't the fastest way to learn it's not going to be economical and so on and so on um, and, and their suggestion would be to develop intelligent uh, intelligent robots that do that for us. They're much cheaper and we'll get much more information much more quickly. And in the same time, if people were to suggest that you had economic value in space, then let private enterprise figure it out, figure, figure out what that might be through their own way of creative destruction, which is the, the fundamental uh, process of innovation that private enterprises use. So you you have... You know, you 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 don't see um, in the form of government, which means in the form of political consensus, uh, the right thing being done by any government at this time. Even those who may actually have more cohesion and more resources, um, in 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 the matter of speaking, than the U.S. does. So I, I or take the European Union. I mean, European Union has been um, uh, trying, you know, in its own way, trying, which is a sort of a consensus-driven way, trying to work out how to be a part of the, the space race, quote-unquote, and their approach was simply to, to create uh, their own uh, launch capability, which, which, if you think about it, uh, it was, was uh, architected very much along the, the lines of the U.S., although the the there they weren't saddled with or even or on the other side helped by the military um uh, the military foundations that the US and Soviet Union had so they they built the Ariane space system based on mm. uh essentially a clean sheet of paper but it wasn't it it, it was not that let's build um uh a, a launch system that is that is asymmetric. It was very much a symmetric system. You see, mm. that's what I'm saying. And so, so the, 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 the true innovation in terms of uh, what I would consider launch systems that are that are that are driven by 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 real market forces or by logic of of scientific exploration are 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 indeed starting to come out of of private uh, enterprise because they they just they they they're 
motivated differently, right? I mean, it's it's uh, they're motivated and they're constrained differently. Hmm. So that, that's a brilliant segue, actually, uh, to talking about uh, SpaceX. <laughs> and uh, so, if you take a, a look at just the, the the heavy launch systems out there, you've you've got the U.S. as the Delta Four. Uh, that's in the range of 24 tons into low Earth orbit. You know, Russia's got probably the the, the biggest, the Angara, um, at uh, 40 tons it can bring up. The Ariane, Ariane uh, is 16. That's the uh, EU one. That's about 16,000 uh, kilograms it can bring into low Earth orbit. And then you have, you know, India's out there. Japan has H2B. China has the Long March. That's about 25,000 kilograms in orbit. And then you have SpaceX that comes around, uh, and this hasn't flown yet. They're Falcon 9 Heavy, uh, or Falcon Heavy, I think they're calling it now. That's supposed to do 54 tons into LEO, but below uh, like $1,000 a pound. To give you an idea, pretty much all these other systems are in the range of 10,000 or more per pound. Um, now, Elon's ultimate, uh, he's stated that his ultimate goal is 500 a pound or less uh, because he thinks that's what's possible. Um, do you, uh, his, his argument is, look, rocket fuel costs this much, the, the metals cost this much, uh, you know, just raw material bill of goods price means that we should be able to get there at 500 uh, a pound. Um, do you, I, so we'll, we'll see whether or not he can actually do that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I, th that to me represents an asymmetric, uh, asymmetric approach. That alone is, well, you know, the problem I see with that is um, that, that, you know, just adding up the numbers and saying, we can achieve a minimum cost is not to me i mean that's assuming you have an architecture of launch vehicles that are um based on you know starting on the launch pad and 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 um you know i the, what i'm curious about is what about things like um these these the, these proposed system that might involve air launched Right, um, air launch vehicles or rail launch launched vehicles, or um, the there are ways of trying to do it more more in a modular way, so that it's not an integrated sort of system that goes from zero to to orbit. I I wonder if the answer isn't to try to optimize the cost for a given architecture, but rather to try to find a new architecture. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, people have also put forward this this tethering and stuff like that. I, I'm not an expert. I haven't looked at this stuff for many years, but I think the physics are such that there are new, there are more novel ways than burning a lot of fuel to accelerate from zero to orbital. I, I, I of course, if you if that's the, the the current technology and the most practical approach, then then Elon's idea of of finding the optimum uh, or the lowest cost. Is uh, is going to win out? I think that's that's a matter of of uh, costs are 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 a, a funny thing, you know. I um, you 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 can you can squeeze costs out through a process of of uh, 
iteration and and uh, you know businesses are very good at working that out um, and they 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 will even move operations to lower cost countries and and do what what they need to do i I just wonder if that's really cost reduction is not to me the most innovative thing though yeah. it's not it's not the 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 um, um, it, it, yeah, I don't know if I can make myself more clear. Yeah, it's just right. that, yeah. it's just that I, I think that that um, maybe maybe that's a great a great adventure, and that's that's something that Elon should should work out. But I think that um, if if we really want to be pushing the envelope, so to speak, um, we should be looking at can somebody with with limited resources work out a better way to get into orbit in in, in working out how. Why do we need to do all at once? You know, maybe men, a series of small launches mm. and um, yeah. and and rendezvous in orbit could build a system much more much more elegantly than than uh, trying to send up as as much mass as possible. Right. So you shouldn't go up against uh, Goliath with a better sword. You should go with a, a slingshot. Um, yeah. So exactly. Is, so so there's yeah. uh, so I'm taking this course over at MIT. It's uh, called satellite engineering. Essentially, it's a um, it's a course that just overviews all the different uh, pieces of of taking an object into space, launching it into space, dealing with it in space, and then returning it, uh, or 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 you know deorbiting it and destroying it if if that's what the mission calls for. It's very interesting. There uh, there are a couple of professors. One of them, uh, Jeff Hoffman, uh, who is an uh, astronaut. He was flown on a number of shuttle missions. Uh, he actually gave a talk about launch systems just uh, last Tuesday, and I went up after and I asked him exactly what you mentioned. Like, what about like what Spaceship One did, where it's flying along, uh, you know, has a has an airplane that that drops the spaceship from some very high altitude, and then and then gets it going and it you know does its little pot shot. Um, so when when you're taking off of of ground or when you're taking off of anywhere in a fluid system the the you know the air being the fluid system there is a a point at which you you reach uh, a maximum of of stress and strain due to the fluid dynamics and mm -hmm. his point for launching something horizontally from very high and then turning it up and going there you just get a different vmax you get a different uh point where that happens and it really doesn't save you a lot because at the end of the day the the launch vehicle is not really flying very quickly in the very thick atmosphere low down so his argument is it didn't didn't buy you all that much now i like you would love to see a railgun into space i would love to see a space elevator we actually just talked about space elevators yesterday uh, a very interesting discussion where the uh, the visiting professor from University of Padua in Italy, uh, he was saying that you can actually do it nowadays given materials that already exist. You don't need the carbon nanotube thing if you just build it in a way that the the uh, the tether tapers and gets wider where it needs to be stronger and thinner where it doesn't need to be. Yeah, um, yeah things see, like I that. I mean, the physicists will will will. Probably uh, argue and 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 develop models for these things very effectively. Um, the, the, the so, for example, there's another approach I think that's been suggested. Uh, maybe you with tethering or with 
with rail systems that why do we need to carry the fuel with us? Why not have the mm. the, the power be sp- supplied by by a, a laser, for example, that from the ground can mm. sh- can can provide the, the you know, th- there's a lot of interesting technical ideas out there and my the, the question only is that what is the mechanism we deploy to um, find the best way to find the optimal solution the mechanism of government is let's collect the panel of experts let's have them decide what is theoretically the best way and based on that expertise we will fund the effort and and uh that's big science that is how uh almost all of these projects have been have been uh, funded hmm. the private enterprise method is one of much more trial and error um and the winner is determined through competition uh usually the profit is a, a, a handy mechanism to signal uh, what what wins. What what is the winning strategy? Uh, the the profit motive uh, and and the profit generated are are signals um, that tell you where to allocate resources. That's the fundamental difference. Is that even a successful business people sometimes don't understand how it works. <laughs> Why is that approach suddenly the best approach? We may we may have to look at businesses many many decades later to finally understand. Wow, what did they figure out? Um, so so that's that's why when it comes to science, the the uh, the the approach of of business seems suboptimal because it seems like they don't know what they're doing most of the time, and. Even when they've done it, it seems suboptimal. It seems like, well, that shouldn't be the way to do it. Right. It seems like it's the experts would would disagree. Mm-hmm. But that's the amazing thing is that it actually works better in the long term to uncover and and solve problems. I mean, even things like you know, agriculture was solved. Uh, many of the processes involved in making food for more people if you asked experts uh, 200 years ago or 100 years ago what are the best ways to feed the world they would have probably pointed out alternatives that that are are unworkable you know either building irrigation canals or 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 uh you know state control of farms which is actually what the soviet union did uh and said you know if we only got rid of all the waste and we did everything in a uniform way and all this and that and those experiments failed terribly uh and you know uh uh let's let's turn the deserts into into irrigable land and so on and so mm. on and it turns out that you know simple things like railway networks nodes that that you know the, 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 in, in agriculture they the once there was a rail network some entrepreneurs figured out that we can build grain silos and grain silos turned out to be a very important innovation because it meant that farmers didn't have to individually ship their produce to market they could actually aggregate it to, to you know hub and spoke and and worked out these these systems even though you had private individuals acting as the optimal local optimums you could have global optimization because they they worked in a network in a very intelligent way uh, and it was a self-arranged network. It was the the uh, the U.S. food production uh, is a marvel. 
when you mm. see it in that context, and no one could have designed it. It was it was completely built ground up, and so that's my point: is that even big problems are solved through the application of a fine-grained methodology of of local optimization that is entirely profit-driven, mm. and and that's that's the that's how that's how technology in the West is well. Now, so you can go back and understand how not just the internet but the entire you know, Silicon Valley and the process of discovery of, of new technology in the U.S. was entirely bottoms up. There was, if you ask the government to fund any of, of these things, I mean, they did obviously fund some, some key technologies, but they couldn't have foreseen how things went. In fact, that's another knock against centralized systems like in the Soviet Union, where they, they not only couldn't invent the future, but they couldn't even copy it. <laughs> effectively <Yeah. laughs> so so you had you know even when they knew the the right approach and initially was mainframe so they copied the ibm 360 then you know they didn't make as good a copy as they needed to make and then later on when microcomputers came along they couldn't copy intel and that was over that was game over for them so hmm. so uh it, it, that's the problem is how how centralization is actually extremely ineffective in, in discovering the way of, of solving some big problems. And, of course, there are many people who counter that, that it generates new problems in the form of, you know, that there are uh, environmental impacts and so on. But ultimately, you know, you, you don't have good solutions to environmental problems from, from central planning either. So I, I'm just saying, I'm not mm. sort of, Wanting to equate government with all all government with central planning or or anything of that kind, but I'm just saying that the the space pro, uh, the space exploration has been a monopoly for governments for for a good fifty years now or more, and um, and it's exciting to see what could what private enterprise could do, and there are maybe some limits in terms of. Um, minimum cost of entry that you can't really do this as a right. startup. You can't do. You do need capital. It's not the. It's not like three guys in the garage can solve this. Um, but uh, but who knows? You know, uh, it, it, it may take a long time. I think I on my other podcast, Nay Simka, were asking this this question exactly. Why are there no startups in the auto business? How much money does it take to make a car? Obviously, you can you could assemble a car in your garage. That's not a problem. So why aren't there car companies that are starting up in garages that are of any note? Um, even Elon Musk uh, needed billion dollars of of uh, of get loans and things from the government to get going. So with, with Tesla and, and and if he hadn't received so much government support, it's on. It's not clear he would have gotten this far. So I, I, you know, this, these are some of the open questions. Not everything can be done bottoms up or grassroots, but at the same time, maybe not everything can that you know that, that is important can, needs to be done by by a central planner. Yeah, I think it'd be very tough for a uh, any startup at all, any company that's even already started and has large bank account uh, to build a space elevator, and that's kind of a one shot deal. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit. Maybe it's just too too early. Uh, you, one way to think about things is again to take a long term perspective and mm. say, well, maybe it's just too early for humans to to work out on a on a on an individual basis how mm. to how to leave the planet. I think the 
the uh, the uh, like if you you know if I if I mentioned the uh, the the early explorers and so on. I mean they they also had a lot of help, uh, deep pockets and so on. But um, uh, yeah, it 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 is a it is an ongoing question, an open question: how to organize hmm. um, uh, a society, the the uh, exploration and the big the big ideas. What do you think about the focus, whether it's Blue Origin or Virgin Galactic? What do you think about the focus on, as you mentioned this earlier, of putting humans into space rather than putting intelligent machines into space? What's your what's your take on that? Well, it, it might be that humans into space is attractive from a, from a, from an economic basis right. because of, yeah, it seems, of because you can raise money around it right yeah the, the 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 space tourism i mean essentially you 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 subsidize uh the effort through uh sort of <laughs> taxing the super wealthy um <laughs> and that's all good you know if they're willing to to trade their capital for for a thrill like that that's great um there are maybe even others who might do it philanthrop- philanthropically, uh, like you know maybe Bill Gates can be persuaded. I don't know. I I think that these um, the, the fundamental challenge, though, as far as science is concerned, is that uh, we've had people in space now for I don't know sixty years, and um, I don't think it's made the human condition all that much better. And I mean by this. If you look at the breakthroughs in in uh, in medical science, um, which actually are related to physi- physiological um, issues, right? I mean, uh, what have we learned from physically being there? I mean, the information of being in space has has been useful, but it can be obtained without being there. So the really the, the question of physically being in space, I think, may have answers for us if we're studying biological science. If you're looking at things like the human, uh, uh, you know, you know whether we can do something with with uh, in medical uh, areas or or uh, learn something about um, uh, how our bodies uh, actually work. And I, I I just don't know of any interesting science that's happened in that area. So I I I don't know. I, the breakthroughs that we've seen actually have been strangely coming from. Um, from computing, uh, the, the fact that we're able to solve problems with with uh, with computers mean has done a great deal more than 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 zero gravity. So I I, I think that now that's speaking as a sort of rational person, um, as a scientist might, but my my, my uh, so adding up the sums and saying you know on balance this is what's 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 uh, what's valuable, but on the other hand, psychologically and speaking more as a as a as a uh, uh, from a psychological from a not not a rational but perhaps an emotional point of view, I think that the, that being in space has a huge benefit to the psyche. So th- there's this whole question of of uh, using using manned space travel to uh to get people excited about uh about the wonder of of science and and so on and that actually you can't underestimate that because that probably motivated millions of people during the 60s to go into into scientific uh uh areas of of study 
which which may have led to all kinds of benefits down the road. So uh, we don't know how many people motivated by the space program got into uh, physics and, and chemistry and, and, and engineering, which led to all kinds of good things. So I, I, I cannot say that all decision-making needs to be rational. Um, I think that that indeed uh, let the market decide if if we have uh, demand for space travel uh, from individuals then then should meet that demand um, and use that proceeds to to fund uh, um, uh, fund research now w- this is where governments might come in handy because one one way to to um, to make this uh, interesting would be perhaps to uh, the question is also legal. I mean, who owns space and what what who owns the right to travel there? Um, mm. And and if you, if you, if you have a government oversight of that, um, it can be used for good and evil. Uh, perhaps the good might be that hey, maybe we can impose a tax on space travel that funds research. Um, it would be uh, a tax which um, those who fly would be capable of paying, um, and then we can get into that discussion about you know well maybe uh, maybe taxes are the way to to do this, but it would be the right somebody. Um, I don't know. I don't. Know. I, I'm not going to go there willingly as as uh, on the topic. I mean, <laughs> I think it's a, it's a, it's a very tricky thing to to. Uh, to talk about taxes, yeah, I, th- I think the the whole sending people uh, humans into space. Uh, there's an obvious, extremely long term advantage to that. Uh, you know, if we ever have to leave this rock, uh, we we've we've done it, so we could actually move. That's extremely long term, but uh, there are other benefits there. Um, but uh, y- you know. <laughs> I, for one, for first of all, I'm probably going to be the 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 poor lackey that ends up uh, paying a ticket and and flying into space because uh, I think it's fun. Um, but I can imagine quite a large market. Imagine if you could go to a website and you could pop in your your you know some uh, credit card or whatever it is and pay to drive a, a rover around the moon. Um, you know, just for for half an hour or whatever, look at look at rocks or something. I mean, I, I think it would be incredibly. Uh, I think there's a huge demand there, and I think that um, you know maybe we'll see this relatively soon. I have no idea. Um, gets into your what you were talking about, who owns space, and you know, are we are we going to set up a perimeter around the footprints of of the the first people to have stepped on the moon because it's a, a historical. You know, there's historical value or something. Um, you know, there 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 are lots of questions there. Um, uh, the the other real very very attractive target is, of course, to to capture an asteroid that has precious metals, and very likely mine it up there, and then return some of the precious metals back to the Earth. I know there's a couple of uh, people groups talking about doing projects like that. Yeah, you know, that's actually to me the, one of the more interesting uh, economic proposals out there uh the uh, so, so tourism is certainly one um the idea of 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 resources is another um and especially if we start to feel that 
resources on, on Earth are difficult to. It, it's not that it, it, it may be economically easier to obtain them on Earth, but it may be politically expensive to do so. So as we get more and more uh, constraints on uh, how how we exploit the Earth. Uh, we might start to find it economical to go off the earth, but then the energy cost of going off the earth may be very high. So there's all of these issues. Uh, so you have to look at it as a system issue, right? I mean, the the where do, how do we make sure we don't ex- extract more? Uh, see, one thing, one way to think about things, you know, the economic discussions. People tend to say, "Well, there are hidden costs and 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 so on, which make makes economics the uh, not a not a great framework for for big ideas." But um, but there is another way to look at economics, which is actually as energy economics. I, I think the energy uh, at the end of the day, um, a good business model usually ends up having a low energy. Uh, being a low energy or or um, an efficient efficiency with 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 money is increasingly becoming efficient equivalent mm-hmm. to efficiency in in energy, mm-hmm. um, and and so the, the 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 if you do a kind of an uh, 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 an energy impact statement, uh, not environmental impact statement, so sort of asking yourself what is the most energy efficient way of doing any one thing. Usually, you get a good economic solution, and so uh, I, I I'm starting to wonder how we can harness um, the energy uh, available that um, that uh, would allow us to not have to like squeeze rocket fuel out of out of the earth mm. um, to do it right because mm-hmm. that that that's this is where where some proposals I've seen you know based on um the orbital you know we have we have kinetic energy available to <laughs> i don't yeah. know how to put it right um i don't know i am a yeah. little out of my depth here but i i just think that that you, you know you, if you give people some some half a you know give them an inch they'll 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 take a mile i mean you have to start the the this process uh going and uh you know private systems or you know Private economies um, tend to be very, very uh, effective in the long run, but in the short term, they can be very inefficient as well. So you mm. get all kinds of imbalances, uh, exploitation. Uh, you have um, things run out, running amok, bubbles, you know, and 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 all of that happening. So you, you, you know, people get get scared when. When when these things tend to tend to run off the rails, but you have to be patient enough and wait for the for the things to correct themselves. So you know, sure we we had when energy was when when the industrial revolution began, there were huge exploitation issues. There were huge. Um, uh, we discovered the 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 dark sides of capitalism. In fact, created. Communism and socialism as reactions to capitalism because capitalism was becoming mm. scary to a lot of people, and you know it's not. I'm a capitalism 
as a phrase is an invention of socialists they they had to put a name on what was going on <laughs> so it wasn't that you know it existed prior to then it, it was a result of the industrial revolution and so industrial revolution and the, and and in the united states if you remember in your history books the you know the the robber barons the the gilded age the 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 periods of the rockefellers and the morgans and all these other people mm. who who essentially grew extremely wealthy um, at a time when a lot of people were also suffering, and there were you know a lot of a lot of labor issues and and safety issues and and so on, so you have that period of time usually, and you now we 're seeing the same thing in china we 're seeing this kind of super super rich billionaires and a lot of people working mm. in sweatshops and we had that period in the United States in the nineteenth mm. century and um and then you have a reaction to it and that would you know late 19th century we had the the socialist movement to sort of stop the exploitation of workers and the idea of creating sort of utopian societies that were still still industrial because we couldn't get rid of industrial uh the industrial uh, value created right mechanization mm. and 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 the the mass production but at the same time they try to temper the the inequalities of it and that would, you know, that utopia didn't work out, but that led to like, you know, half a century of warfare. Um, <laughs> and so, so you get to these weird situations where you unleash a force, uh, usually through technology, it leads to uh, uh, an imbalanced situation, then you re- leads to a reaction, which then leads to, to more imbalance in a different direction and, and typically conflict and, and, and a lot of, a lot of tragedy. So, yeah. uh, but at the end, it, it somehow balances itself out. You work out that, yes, you know, you know, commerce is good, but we need to, we need to regulate it. We need to set up the checks and balances. You need to smooth things out through, through this and that safety nets, yada, yada, yada. So you built 20th century on top of the, the, the corrections and, and, uh, amendments if you will to the to the uh, to the innovation hmm. and so now you know maybe we just need to give it time for another hundred years or so for for us to figure out how to first of all sustain the planet secondly get off of it um and and it won't happen uh in the in the scale and speed that we've seen technology and the digital technology gave us these very short cycle times for innovation but the bigger problems may not be solvable. I mean, sort of geo geo uh, political issues come into play, and so on and so on. Yeah, they can't be I, solved I, like that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's like you know, you've got to change your mental cycle times. You're, you've got to mm. think in terms of uh, you know. I give. I've been giving a, a talk recently, looking at the. Uh, adoption curves and looking at, for example, the fact that smartphones went from zero to 60% uh, penetration in like uh, 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 less than 10 years. And so we're looking at a 15-year, probably zero to 100% type of, type of cycle. And 15 years looks like a, an eternity to, 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 to some of us, uh, you know, who are like three months is a long time between yeah, between product world. upgrades, yeah. but in fact, fifteen years is very short time. If you look at almost any other technology adoption that we've seen in history, whether that be, you know, consumer goods, uh, industrial goods, uh, you know, railroads, all these things took, you know, decades, typically maybe uh, you know, century. So it, if you look at the, you know, electrification, uh, you know, PSTN networks, all mm. of these things took 
much, much longer. Mm. And and so the, the the thing is these are diffusion curves and there's a whole discussion about how to how to measure uh, uh, and compare them and and what what would be curious to me would be you know and you look at things like energy systems going from mm. wood to coal to 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 oil to gas to to solar to nuclear and all these things and these take much much longer and they have a sort of pattern to them they have a, a certain frequency a certain um, a cycle uh, length but if if possible if we can think of 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 space as another one of these diffusion curves and and ask ourselves how long would that take. Um, I'm I'm just afraid that it might be one of these century-long processes, and and we're not uh, we're, we're, we're we've had a false start in a way with with right. with, the, yeah. with the first part of it. But anyway, yeah. that, that's one way to think. Yeah. about Yeah. No, I I I think you're uh, I think you're probably right on that. Um, but I think we're also coming up against time here. Um, so I just wanted to quickly wrap. This has been a, a fascinating discussion, uh, Horace, um, one which, uh, which we would love to continue online. Uh, that said, uh, how can people find you online, Horace? Oh, yeah, easy. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, – I, 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 I write regularly on uh, asymco.com. So it's A-S-Y-M-C-O. Um, and then I – have a podcast you mentioned, uh, Critical Path, which is on the Five by Five network. So Five by Five TV, uh, I believe, is the the URL. Um, I also run a SIM car, or uh, I co-host a SIM car with, uh, which is asimcar.com. Uh, we talk about cars there and 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 the disruptive forces in, in automobiles. And uh, what else? Oh, you know. Um, I sometimes speak publicly, so um, sometimes we do conferences and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's under the Airshow brand. Uh, but uh, I, I think if you want to reach me by by Twitter, it's at asimco, and by email, it's my name. It's horace.didu at asimco.com. Thank you very much. Till next time. Thank you, time. Horace. This was a great, great hour. My pleasure. <laughs>